You're listening to the Hope Church Podcast for March 20th, 2016, from the series called Red Letter Day. Well, good morning. Welcome to church. We're glad you guys are here today. You look good. You know what I always say? That's half the battle. So, man, we're glad you guys are here today. And, um, and we're going to have a fun day today in church. Um, today's different. We're going to take communion together. I'm really, 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 really excited about that. It's spring break. And uh, so you guys are all the spiritual ones. Everybody else is at the beach. And um, so we're going to hold them accountable for that next week, make them pay penance. And um, I'm just kidding. We're glad they're here. We're glad you guys are here today. Um, I've got some friends in town today, and they're in our services today, and I'm very, very excited about that. Whenever we launched the church, um, one of the first friends that I called or one of the, some, by, by God's chance, we kind of got on the same phone together. It was my friend named Dan, and uh, Dan pastors a church in Alabama. And um, Dan did the unimaginable. Um, I, I, before I started this church, I, I was talking to my father-in-law about church, and one of the things that my father-in-law told me, he said, it's, it's harder to resurrect a dead church than it is to start a new one. Giving birth, or to make it a little bit more sense for you guys, some of you lazy in your take, giving birth is easier than resurrecting the dead. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know what it's like to have a baby. I just, I heard it's hard, but it's, it's, it's easier, it's easier to give birth to something as to resurrect the dead. And my buddy Dan took this church and, and, um, man, it was just in, in a, in a tough situation. He went there and, man, God showed up and, and showed off with him and used him in a mighty way. And so my friend Dan is here today all the way from Gadsden, Alabama. And I want to say this about Gadsden. When I got to Gadsden, Dan was trying to, like, help me to understand Gadsden. He's like, man, some guy wrote this article about how small Gadsden is and, None of you guys have even heard of Gatson, so you're like trying to figure out where that's at. Because we're an electronic-friendly church, you guys are Googling it while I'm speaking. That's totally fine. I'm not judging you at all. Um, it's a small little city. And when Dan got here this week, he, his, um, they were at a wedding, and Josh and his worship leader and Chris is here. And I told Josh and Chris, I said, the actual downtown of Gatson, believe it or not, it's actually bigger than downtown Winter Garden. And Winter Garden, and Gatson was small, and so it's a small little downtown, but Dan and Chris and Josh, his worship leader, are here today. Can we give them a big hand today and welcome them to our services? Um, we are in, um, and so I'm, I'm glad you guys are here, and Dan believed in us. Dan said, hey, come out, share at my church what you're doing, and uh, we want to we wanna, we wanna put a seed into that ministry, and we want to be a part of what God's doing at, at your church, and so they helped us out, get this thing off the ground. It was the first church to let us in their doors um, without me having to kick the door open. You know what I'm saying? He just invited us in. And uh, Dan, Dan's, uh, Dan's Asian, and um, here's just a fun fact about Dan. Dan's Asian. When we were in college together, he was a rapper. They called him Yellow Soul. Yellow Soul. And so I'm not racist. That's just what they called him. You know what I'm saying? They called him Yellow Soul. And so um, he could rap. I don't know if he still raps, but if you ask him after service, maybe he'll say yeah. And then Josh, his worship leader, led our students this past week um, at our, our Thursday night gathering, and, and he did a phenomenal job. And so, man, we're glad you guys are here today. Last night, um, last week, I, I love community group season. I love, 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 love community group season, and we're in it. We're right in the middle of it, and um, it's, it's going well. Last week, one of our community group, the one I go to, they stuffed 1,000 Easter eggs, and our goal is 5,000 eggs for next Sunday, and they stuffed 1,000 Easter eggs. And I get on Facebook and see some people are stuffing 200 at their house and 300. People have brought in a couple hundred of them, and that's all going well. We love that. And so I love getting community groups to serve together, and so we, we, we stuffed a bunch of eggs in my community group. Um, that, I, that I go to last week. And then last night, our young professional community group went over to the YMCA 
and we spread it about 15 yards of red decoration mulch. I think we might have some pictures of that. That's the girls. They did the hard part. They had to spread it all out. Um, that's the easy part. I'm just kidding. He's got blisters. And uh, that was our team last night. That's one of our, I'm not sweating in case you're wondering, like, man, our pastor works really hard. I do work hard, but that's not sweat. We pressure washed too, and the pressure wash had a different mind of its own. It just blasted me. And it was awesome because it made me look like I was working harder. Anyways, so we got to pressure wash, and we like supporting the YMCA. We love what the YMCA does, and uh, we coach there. We're about to go into soccer season, and I'll invite you guys all every Saturday for the next eight Saturdays. I'll be there with my five-year-old. It's going to be awesome. If you're just tuning in with us today, it's your first time coming to us. We're in a series called Red Letters. And if you open up the Bible, not right now, in just a moment, I'll ask you to. But if you look at the Bible in the New Testament, which is the second half of the Bible, there's four books right in a row, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right in the row. Those books are called the Gospels. And every time Jesus opened his mouth in, in that, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when he opens his mouth, those letters in most translations, it, they come out in red. They're, they're, called, they're red letters. And so when Jesus talks and Jesus speaks to his disciples or Jesus speaks to his team or when Jesus spoke to demons and he cast the demons out of people, whenever he spoke to people, the words in the Bible, they come out in, in red. And so that's what the translators did starting back in 1611 when we got the first King James Version Bible. Um, King James translated that scripture for us, was in charge of that. And so he speaks in red. But the last three weeks and even next week, we're spending time with just Jesus while he's on the cross. The red letters that he actually spoke while he was up on the cross for you and for me. And so leading up to this point, I want to catch you up. If you're with us in here today, it's your first time. Or if you're watching online at a later date, we want you to know that Jesus came on this earth. He lived a perfect life. And the last few weeks of his life, or the last few hours of his life, we've talked about that. But I want to back you up a little bit leading up to that. This is Palm Sunday. We're not going to spend a lot, a lot of time talking about that. I was researching Palm Sunday this week because I figured as a pastor I had to educate you on Palm Sunday. And uh, when Jesus came in a, a week leading up to his, his, um, his, his death, burial, and resurrection, the week leading up to that, they, he, when he came into town, he sent his disciples, hey, disciples, go get me a donkey. And go to this house. There will be a donkey there tied up. And you get that donkey. And I want you to bring it back to me. I'll come into town riding on a donkey. Now, this was before Instagram and Facebook. So I'm not sure how they knew he was coming. But he went there. He got it. And they came. When he was coming, they had palm branches. And they were saying, Hosanna. They, were, they, they knew he was the king of kings. And it's so crazy to me that Jesus came in on, on, on a donkey. Because a, a donkey, when you look at that, that, that is, a, is a thing of, of humility. He could have... He could have came on a horse, or he could have came on, he could have came by foot. I mean, walking on a donkey, a stinky, smelly donkey. But I think he wanted to teach us and want to show us that he has come to earth. He's came from heaven down to earth. He humbled himself to come down and take on the sins of the world. So he comes in on this Palm Sunday. He leads up to this time where he's about to be, um, about to be on the cross. Well, he's beaten. He's bruised. He's, his body is torn apart, barely beyond recognition. They've placed a crown of thorns on his, hand, on his head. They've put a cross on his shoulder. They made him walk to his own place where they're going to, on, on, on Golgotha. They made him walk his own cross. It was, he was so beat up. He was so bruised. He was so torn apart that he had to take the cross off. And one of the soldiers told some guy in the, as a passerby, I said, hey, you get over here and you carry this cross for him. Because he couldn't physically carry the cross any further. And so he's carried this cross. He's gotten all the way to, to the time where we're at. And so last week we looked at the fact that he said, um, and we've kind of gone a little bit in order, we've gone a little bit out of order, 
but we're going to finish it up um, next week. But I, a couple of things that I, we've talked about, week one we talked about the fact when he's on the cross, he says to me, to the thief on the, on the cross, he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Today you'll be with me in paradise. And for anyone who has a relationship with Jesus Christ, there is an opportunity for you and I to spend an eternity in a place called paradise. And we hashtag that paradise is pimp, okay? It's just amazing. It's incredible. It's Pimp, I think, is a 90s word. It's like, it's awesome. It's cool. And so we don't really use it much anymore. There's, there's, there's new words now, like on fleek, you know, and there's just different words. And so if you, have, if you don't know any, what any of those words are, just find a 15 or 16-year-old. They'll explain those words to you, mom and dad. I didn't say anything wrong. They'll explain it to you. And so we looked at the fact that Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And anyone who has a relationship with Jesus will spend an eternity with Jesus. We are home. This is not, wherever you live at today, my address is 261 Ottertail Court, which most of you guys have been to our house. But our house that we live in is not our final home. And we may buy another home. That's why. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the point is, our, we're, we're, this is temporary for us. Wherever you live at, it's temporary. So we don't place all of our hope and all of our, everything we have on things on this earth. We place our hope on things that are above, which is Jesus Christ. And so you and I, the Bible says that we will be with me in paradise. And then Jesus gets a little bit further on while he's on the cross, and he says to his dad, that today he'll be in the paradise, he says to a thief on the cross, who deserved to be there, by the way. Jesus didn't deserve to be there. The second, one of the other things we looked at last week was the fact that he said in the Bible, why, he says to his dad, why have you forsaken me? Dad, why have you, why did you turn your back on me, dad? Why, and, and Jesus had to turn his back, God had to turn his back on his son, so that you and I could have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He had, to, he had to do that. He said, son, this is your mission on life. You've got to go and you've got to complete the mission that I have. You've got to go complete the plans that I have for you. And Jesus says to his dad, God, dad, I feel like you've, you've forsaken me. I walked into the room yesterday and uh, Trip was crying. Not Trip, Judah was crying. And Hope says, dad, get in here, get in here, dad, get in here. Judah's crying. And I'm like, I don't care, Hope. He's a boy, I just don't care. <laughs> If the girl gets hurt, I'm like, oh, my sweet little daughter, my son. I'm like, it'll make you tougher. You know, so I walk in there. He's crying. I said, what happened? And before she could tell what happened, Tripp goes, it was an accident. Which is code for he's about to lie. If it's an it's never an accident. When I found out with Tripp, it's never an accident. I'm sorry to be talking about your son, Diana. Um, but it's never an accident with this guy. It's never an accident. It's just like, boom, I, it was an accident. And I'm like, son, it wasn't an accident. Because I could just, I could just tell it's... I've had five years to deal with you. I know it wasn't. I can tell it's not an accident. And, uh, and I, I, I don't see Trip, and he's on his back. I'm like, why is he on his back? But I look at him. I look down at him. He's got a gash on his nose. Wasn't as bad as the gash that we encountered the first month of launching the church that entailed the emergency room. Or it was a minor gash. Like, this is, like, not a big deal gash. And so I look at him. He's got this gash on his nose. Later when Dinah walks in, she says, what happened? He goes, I pushed him down. I mean, he was just blunt. I pushed him down. Did you punish? Diana's like, did you punish him? And I'm like, of course I did. Not as tough as you would have been, I don't think, but I did punish him because I couldn't tell. If, it's hard to punish kids when you don't know if they're telling the truth or not. Parents, can I get an amen? So I'm like, I could spank you because I believe in that. It's in the Bible somewhere. But I'm like, I'm just going to send you to your room. And that's a good middle ground because I'm really not sure. Hope, I think sometimes, I think she likes to see you get spanked. And so I don't even know if I can believe her, my eight-year-old. <laughs> so I'm like, son, go to your room. How long did I go there for? I said, I don't know, son. I've got ADD. I'm going to forget you're in there anyways. Just go in there. 
deal with it. I'll figure that out later. And so I sent him in there. And I, my son, I walk in there, and he looked like he was super, my son looked like he was super betrayed. Like, why did, why did, why did my older brother push me down? He felt forsaken. Today I want to look at one last, today I want to look at the fact where Jesus says in the Bible, it is finished. If you have a Bible, turn to John chapter 19. John chapter 19. I'm going to read the Bible to you. Because that's what we came here for. John chapter 19, verse 28. Jesus knew, it'll be on the screen if you don't have, the, don't have a Bible with you, it's totally cool. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill the scriptures, he said, I am thirsty. I am thirsty. That's one of the things he said on the, on the, on the cross. The very next verse, the guys that were right on the side there heard him say that. And so verse 29, a jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it. They put it on a hyssop branch. You can Google that later. And they held it up on his lips. And when Jesus had tasted, he said, it is finished. It is finished. Then he bowed his head and released his spirit. He bowed his head and he released his spirit. He said, I am done. I don't know if you've ever been on the, on the bedside of a person um, that is that's about to slip away into eternity, about to go away into eternity. But they say a, a lot of times that you can, you can fight for a long time when you're on that, if you've been around. They, they can hang on for a long time. So you've heard stories of guys that have... That have, that have they've, they, they're, they're, they've seen all their kids, or the, the lady, she's seen all her kids except for that one kid. And it's like the one kid got there and she saw, and it was like, okay, cool, I've seen all my kids, and now I can go be with you. There's a fight. There, there's, there's a little bit of a, of a fight you can kind of, you can kind of muster, you can kind of hang in there, you can kind of go for a long time. I think Jesus at this point in his life, he's fought as long as he's fought, he's fought as long as he's going to fight, and it's kind of, okay, cool, it, this, it's finished. It's over. And he kind of takes a last breath, and that's it. Flatline. Life's over. And, and I, I'm, what I've tried to capture, or what I've tried to hope that you've captured over the last three weeks, and is that, man, this is, for me, this has gotten more and more real. Because I don't know about you, or I don't know about you, but for me, a lot of times I don't spend a lot of time in this text, in, the, in, this, in this passage of Scripture, until we get to closer to Easter. But Easter is like a big deal for us. It's Jesus has taken on this, your sins and my sins, He's done that for you and for me. And so it should have weight almost every day. It should have weight for us because we have purpose. We have purpose that one of our guys is a, is a, um, was an Orange County sheriff. And he said, you see that shooting that happened yesterday? And did you hear the shooting that happened the other day? And in our neighborhood, there is a, a young man that was at his friend's, at his cousin's house. And he, not in our neighborhood, in a different part of town. And he, the son got shot. And by his older cousin, and he's gone. And I see tragedy all around us, and I'm really trying to figure out how do people do it without Jesus. It almost seems impossible to go through what people go through without Jesus. And so we don't get Jesus just for salvation, but we get Jesus for our day-to-day life. We get Jesus every single day. Jesus not only is our, is our Savior, but he's also, he's also our sustainer. The Bible says that he's not, he's not just our beginning, but he's also the end. The Bible, the Bible says that what he starts in us, Hebrews, he also finishes in us. 
And so he didn't get things going and say, okay, cool, good luck. Here, he didn't come to earth and spend three days and, and take a beat and then get on the cross. He didn't get off the first day and, and uh, he, he didn't die and, and then rose again on the, on the first day. He didn't raise again on the second day, but he came again on the third day. He did it exactly how his dad told him that he had to finish what his dad had started. He had to finish it the way that it was planned out, the way God designed. He had to finish it. And so Jesus came for you and for I. He didn't come just so we can have salvation while we do have salvation and while we have a future in heaven. But we actually have some hope while we're here on earth. And so I see people go through life without hope or without a relationship with Jesus. And in this text, it said that he bowed his head. He released his spirit. Let me read a few more verses it was, the, it was the day of preparation, and the Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day, which was the Sabbath, and a very special Sabbath because it was the Passover. So they asked Pilate to speed up or to hasten the deaths by ordering that their legs be broken, the other thieves on the cross. Then their bodies could be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus, but when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead, so they didn't break his legs. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water flowed out. This report is from an eyewitness giving an accurate account. He speaks the truth so that you can also believe. These things happened in the fulfillment of the scriptures that say this, not one of his bones will be broken and they will look, I'm sorry, and they will look on the one they pierced. We get to the end of the story here a little bit further on and we see here that Jesus says to, the, to, to his dad, it's done. It is finished. The Greek word for that is tetelestai, which means it is finished, or it's the end, or completion, or executed. It's done, or paid in full. He says, I have done all of the work. And I, I want to capture catch you up on a few things, too. When you read the Bible, hundreds of years before Christ ever died on the cross for us, hundreds of years there was, prophecy, there was prophecy, and people spoke of what was going to happen to come. And so when we look at some of these things, you can kind of jot these down if, if you want to. I, I kind of wrote them down real quick for this morning. Um, but, the, but in Amos, the, the Bible says that the prophet Amos said that darkness would come over the land, and it did. Tetelestai, it, it, that was finished, or that was, that was complete. In Isaiah 53, verse 5, they said that Jesus would be rejected. And was he rejected? Absolutely he was. Tetelestai, paid in full. Or it is finished. Isaiah chapter 41 verses 9 said that he would be betrayed. And he was betrayed. He was betrayed by his best, one of his, one of his tight, tight, his, his 12 disciples. The guy that was closest to him, he was betrayed by that person, Judas. And it's so crazy to me. I was telling Diana this the other day and I kind of butchered it. I was trying to explain it to her. But there was, a, there was a, an independent research group that did a mock, um, mock uh, anal, analyzation of all the disciples so there's companies that go and they say, okay, this person, they're, they're good at this. They're, I, I took a test this week, a disc profile test. And I, I have a coach I talk to uh, for every other week, and he, he's coaching me because guys like me need coaching. And so I need all the help I can get. And so they took this, and when they did that, they did that whole research. They looked at it and said, oh, this guy's lazy. His 12 disciples, this guy's lazy. This guy, you don't want him to have be close to you. This guy, you know the people that on the outside the world looks at, this research looked at and said, the number one person that you should be close to you should be Judas. The world said, you need Judas close to you. you he need, he, this guy's good with money. This guy's awesome money. You need Judas. Judas needs to be your right-hand man. And we see that God doesn't look at us the way the world looks at us. 
And God didn't look at those disciples the way that we looked at those disciples. They had some issues, and we all do. But the world said, oh, Judas should be your, this, this independent research group said, oh, Judas should be your number one guy. And Jesus is like, heck no. He was the money guy, but Judas betrayed him for money. The Bible tells us hundreds of years before Christ was ever betrayed, he would be betrayed. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 24, that said he would be beaten, and he was beaten. Tetelestai, it was finished. Isaiah 59, verse 6. Isaiah, prophet of Isaiah said he would be spit on, and he was spit on. Isaiah 53, verse 5, the Bible says that he would be bruised for our transgressions, for our sins. Psalms said that he would be mocked, and he clearly was mocked. And in this right here, he explains it to us in this translation. It says that his, none of his bones in his body would be broken, and none of his bones in his body were broken. How could he withstand a beating like that and none of his bones be broken? The only way that could happen would be because he was Jesus. Because his dad took care of him and his dad protected him. That's the only way. And so he says here in this story, it is finished, dad. And his spirit left him and went to his father in heaven. But the question I have for you and for me today is what does it have to do with us? Well, it has everything to do with us. Absolutely it does. I wrote down this, and I think it will be on the screen. If you're going to take any notes today, I, I think this would be fitting for you to write this down. That Jesus died so you could live. Jesus died so that you could live. We've said this a thousand times at our church, that God does not work in the same economy that we work in. He works in a whole other sphere, a, a whole other system, a whole other system that he uses. And it says here, and I wrote that down for you, that Jesus died so that you could live. My question for you and my question for me is, are we truly living? Are you truly living? Is your life counting for anything but yourself? or for, Is my life counting for anything but myself? I told our, um, I'm glad you guys are all here today. Our team, um, we started this church with a little, around 35 or 40 people. And that team, we call that our dream team. And that dream team has gone from 35 to 40 to about 65 to 70 people on this team. And um, I tell them every week that all those people that come, when we, we do our Next Steps class, it happens every single first and second Sunday. Everyone that comes into our, this environment, they write down what can we do to make our, make our, make our church better, and we want to know that. Or what can we do to make, um, what, do you, what did you like about Hope, what don't you like? And so we've got good feedback. You know, we've got, oh, this or that or this or that or this or that. And we kind of take note of it and we kind of implement what people say because we want you to have ownership. And people that have owners, people that are owners here and that have ownership, they ha usually have good input for us to make this a better environment for their friends to come through. And when I look at all of those, a lot of the thing that people say that when they come to Hope is they say, man, the people are really friendly. The people are nice to me. And I'm like, awesome, because we want to be a friendly church. You wonder why we want to be a friendly church? Because people go Monday through Friday in an unfriendly world. Yeah? Like your boss doesn't, your boss wants you to perform well, right? Right. They want, they, you, have, you have goals and maybe your boss is nice and maybe you have a, a kind boss. Um, I've, I've worked for my dad before and I worked for my father-in-law before. <laughs> dot, 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 dot. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I do remember this about working for my dad. I used to hate, and I use the word hate when I talk about um, 
whenever I talk about my dad, I'm like, oh, you always say the word hate whenever you mention your dad. Here's what I would hate about working for my dad. I hate it when it was time change. Because we went from working till 6 to now we can work till 8.30 p.m. And landscapers, when it's light out, that's when landscapers work. Nothing like my engineer friends. My engineer friends and those guys, they work like it. They do their best work when it's dark out. Or business people. One of my uh, friends is, is in here today, and she ran the eight, the eight miles with us last weekend. And, and she says, I'm a night owl. I get a lot of work done at night. That's when I get a lot of work done. Um, but I used to think, man, I don't want the time to change because I'm going to have to work later. And I know what. I would look at that, I, I would remember some jobs and we'd be there and I would say, it's finished. And then my dad would get there and his it is finished is different than my it is finished. I worked for my father-in-law for eight years. I think I'm still working for him. And, um, and we worked hard. And whenever we would finish an event or we would finish a day, we were on the next event before we even wrapped up the first event. <laughs> and we kept on going we kept on working we kept on working one of our core values here at hope church is that we do work we do work that's why we stuff eggs that's why we that's why we trim the palm trees on the front of this campus that's why we pressure wash this campus that's why we went to the ymc and we've spread mulch and that's why we do this because we do work we we want to serve but as i've worked for both of these guys well i've done what god's called me to do i can look at a lot of things and you can you can look at your life and you can ask yourself the question am i doing anything of significance my dad would say, son, see, when you do it, when you get it done, like my dad would say, son, when you get it done, like the way you got it done, it's just okay. But, you know, it can look a lot better. And my dad would grab me and he would, he would drag me across the yard. They didn't have child abuse back then, but it was. And so he would drag me and say, son, I want you to look at it from a, from a different angle. You, it looks different. You know, it just, it just, and then he would say, come over here. I said, dad, two angles is enough. He's like, no, you need a third angle. And so he would bring it and he said, I want you to look at it. I want you to look at it from, from this angle. It looks, it looks different. I remember being in Haiti. Um, I've been all around the world, but I remember being in Haiti, sitting on the balcony with my father-in-law, and he said, son, you've, you've done youth ministry long enough. And that was a nice way of him saying to me that he was firing me from youth ministry. Um, but I'm resilient, so I talked him into one more year because he's a good salesman, and, and I feel like I am too. So I'm like, hey, if I can get him to let me go one more year, and I probably shouldn't have done it one more year. But that was the way God designed it or my stubbornness designed it. And so I took it one more year, and, and he said, you know, you, you got, eventually you, you, you have kids now, and, and everything's changing with your life, and you got to get into this different environment. And if you don't get into this environment, I believe so. If I never would have gotten that environment, I never would be in this, in this environment right, right here. And, but my question for you, that's, I, that's, that's enough about me, but my question for you is, are you living a life? Are you living life, or are you just ex merely just existing? Because here's what I found. Existing is miserable. Just existing is miserable. Because God has this great, beautiful plan designed for us. And if we're just merely existing, we're not even doing what he's called us to do. I love what um, Craig Rochelle said. He says, um, we all have unfinished business. We all have unfinished business. Are you making your life count? Am I making my life count? And, and I, I hope so because God came so that we could live and live these fully devoted lives to him. He gave his life so that you and I could live. My question for you and I today is are you truly 
living. And I think this, I said this to our team, said, I believe with all my heart you can look at your life and you can answer that question whether or not you're fully living. I just think you can. Uh, one of the girls at the front door today um, was greeting and she's very sweet and she's awesome and she's, it's easy to be at the front door and smile, but it's a whole other level to be able to say, hey, how are you? We're glad you're here. Man, come on in. Let me show you to, show you to where you're going and my pleasure. We stole it from Chick-fil-A. Like, I want you to, I'm getting hungry, so my, my, my illustrations are going towards food. Um, you guys want to go to Chipotle after church? These college kids, they love Chipotle. Um, side note, you guys didn't even shake your head or anything. You don't want to go to Chipotle or what? You're in? You're in? Cool. You're in? Okay, cool. We're going to Chipotle afterwards. Um, ADD. That wasn't in my notes, was it? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sometimes I have to rewind in my mind. Um, I, it doesn't matter where I was at because I can just pick up. I want, I want our lives to count. I know that. <laughs> Back where I was supposed to be at. I know God wants our lives to count for something more than just our own lives. He, he just does. Dan will tell you this. I was a punk jerk in college. Now I'm just a jerk. I dropped the punk off. I'm just a jerk at 33. <laughs> God wants your life to count for something so much more than just your life. Which brought me back to Kaylin. She walked him in and said, hey, how's it going? I'm really glad you're here. And we, man, how, you know, she showed him around first time. She said, hey, man, for your first time. And she was, and I was sitting there, I was talking to Dan and Chris, and I'm like, and they, I stopped. I was like, they're like, do you need to go? I'm like, no, I'm just watching Kaylin talk to those people. Like, she's done it before. Like, she looks like she's not, like a natural, like she's crushing the game. But that's just an, a small way to make our life count on Sunday mornings. But you've got so much other time and so much other times of the day where you can make your life count. Do I got to become a pastor, Wes? Absolutely not. You don't want to become that. This is hard. You've got to be on mission where you're at. Do what God called you to do where you're at. You don't got to be me. And I don't got to be you. And I don't have your story. And you don't have mine. God's going to use your story wherever you're at if you would allow him to, if you would allow him to. Um, we're going to change gears and um, do things completely different today. We're going to take communion together. And, um, and we're going we're gonna, to, then after we take communion together, we're going to worship like we've never worshiped before. And we worship because God gave his life for us. That's why we get to worship. He made a way for us to go to worship. We, don't, we got something to worship, don't we? We have Jesus. No other name but Jesus. We get Jesus. What? Because we have Jesus, we get to worship God. And on that cross that day, Jesus says, it is finished and it's done. And throughout the course of history, from the time down the cross, I believe from to, even to this day, the reason why we do communion and the, the, the pass down to communion the communion has gathered more weight. At the time he ha at the cross happened, communion was important, and they needed communion, and, and it, was it was absolutely important, and the Passover was important, and it still is important. But I believe this. It was a game changer the day the cross happened. I mean, three days later, he rose again. We'll talk about that next week. But it was a game changer because now at this point, we're going from a, there's a new system in place. We're going from law to grace now. There's a whole new 
there's a whole new system. The Bible says that Amos said that there was a darkness that fell in the land. Whenever Jesus died on the cross for a sin, the, 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 the world went dark, an earthquake happened, and the temple, inside the temple, there, the, the, there was a, um, a, a curtain there that separated um, some of the different parts of the temple, and that thing tore from top to bottom. It tore because the ground began to shake. And it's a game changer. And so as we prepare our hearts, we prepare our minds to get ready to take communion. Can I remind you and I today, we take communion because we want to remember what God has done for you and for me. He poured out his blood. Before, they, before this is the thing, like now we hold the blood. But before the, before the cross, these guys would rely on some priest to go in and, 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 and carry the cup and to, and to have the bread. They were relying on some other guy to take a perfect spotless lamb, another human, to take it in there. And to, they got, that guy would go in there, that, um, that priest would go in there, and he would do a, a, a sacrifice for himself. And he would come out, he would wash his hand, and then he would take another lamb there for the sins of the people. But now you and I, as we take, the, we take this blood and we take this, this cup in our hand and we take this, this, this wafer in our hand, we actually get to hold the weight. Not, not literally, it's not God's blood, but we get to, figuratively, we get to hold the weight of the cross in our hands. Isn't that something? We get to hold the weight of the cross in our hands. The blood that, I, sometimes we do it wrong. We put these perfect looking crosses that look really, really good out of pressure treated wood, but there's no blood on that cross, but that cross, that cross was bloody. And the body was torn to pieces, which is why we have these pieces of, of, of bread.